0: Hey everybody, this is Chris Watoski, uh, creator of the Chicago Party Ant Twitter account and Netflix show, and you are listening to the Friendly Confines podcast.
1: Going to Rigby Field was a huge,
2: unforgettable deal that impacted my life.
0: So I think the Cubs winning based upon the, the gap was one of the biggest championships that, is, that have happened in any American sport in a really long time.
1: The first day that they introduced me, I said, baseball matters on the north side of Chicago. It's one of the... I love baseball and I love fan bases where it's important. Well, I always hated the idea of the Cubs as lovable losers because I don't think there's anything lovable about putting an inferior product in front of baseball fans. Would be the highlight of my career uh, to see that happen and to, to get a chance to call it. And it, it didn't disappoint.
0: Now addition to the new kid. I, his name was Billy Crystal. I don't know whatever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on the Chad and Ryan show. Welcome to Friendly Confines Extra Innings with Chad Gordon and Ryan Lieber. <laughs>
1: Rhino, we're back. We had a little bit of a layoff, but we're back. We're back, and and let's be honest, I know the listeners missed us. Welcome back, listeners. We're glad you're here. Rhino, did you miss me?
2: I did miss you, Chad, and you know what? I needed that time to grieve. I needed that time to kind of process what we had seen over the past year with the Chicago Cubs team because there was a lot of emotions that were involved, feelings, things that I haven't felt in a really long time, but I feel like I've processed it now, and I'm ready to kind of be able to Talk about it and be open with our listeners and yourself. And now we can finally put the 2021 season in our rear view mirror.
1: What I can promise the listeners is this is not going to be an intervention, even though it kind of sounded like you need one. It sounds like there's a lot of feelings. But what we are going to talk about, and I'm excited about it, because the cup season's over, and it was painful, as you said. But we're going to talk about the free agency world that's happening right now. We're going to talk about the first moves that the Cubs new manager, general manager, uh, rather, needs to make. We're going to talk about which of the shortstops that are out there you want back. And what do we think is going to happen to the big three? But what I'm most excited about, you've been teasing this to me for a while. I have no idea who our guest is. And you're finally going to tell us right now. This is a big time guest.
2: This is a huge guest, Chad. We worked hard to get him and he was kind enough to join us. Chris Witoski. Maybe you don't know him by his name, but you definitely know him by his alter ego, and that is Chicago Party Ant. Chris Witoski, the creator and the star of the Netflix television show, Chicago Party Ant, is going to join us here on the seventh inning stretch. We are so excited to have him, so stick around. Absolutely. The Friendly Confines, Chad, starts right now. Right now. Hi everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Chad, let's start as we always do and that in the first inning. So let's just kind of put a little cap on the 2021 season. Certainly was not the season that anybody wanted for the Chicago Cubs, but maybe was ultimately expected from the Chicago Cubs. They finish in fourth place. They do not even come close to sniffing the postseason, a place where we hopefully thought they would end up. What is your ultimate takeaway of this 2021 season, Chad, and this ball club for where they are
1: ending the year at 71 and 91? You know, it it's it's bittersweet because I I'm glad that the band-aid was pulled off and something was gonna come to a head at the end of this year. I'm sad because of what I saw from the Cardinals you know to pull them into this and knowing that they are one game over 500 on September 1st and for them to make the run they did and and storm their way into the playoffs now granted it was a short run but they did it and I just wonder what that team would have done with all the pieces that were sent away you know one of the best relievers in baseball and Craig Kimbrell um Chris Bryant who was it was you know at times looking you know uh, like a world beater. Anthony Rizzo had something to prove Javi bias. Who's going to go up and down and always has a huge streak in him. And then you look at the other guys um, that could have been a part of that as well in the bullpen and, and, and other places And Jock Peterson, what he did. I, I'm sad to see what, that we didn't get to see what could have been. But as I said, the bandaid has come off. Um, I've talked myself into and been very excited. I'm, I'm all in on the prospects now I'm all in on what this has created. And what it's created is a lot more of a foundation, a lot more building blocks, a lot more opportunities for the Cubs to have trading partners in case they want to turn some of these building blocks into other assets. This was the time at the end of this postseason where they're going to have to make some really tough decisions. At least they have something in, in play. Um, but yeah, I do wish there was a better opportunity uh, for for an honoring a a victory lap, but I certainly wouldn't want to have done that if this Cubs team was going to continue to falter like they had um, at times during the season and not really gelled because it did seem at times like this team was, was sleep blocking Ryan.
2: Yeah, and no, you're right. And you bring up the Cardinals, which, you know, I look at it two ways, right? So, yeah, you could say that they were basically neck and neck when the trading deadline came up. Cardinals basically went all in, got John Lester, got Jay Ahap, like went in and said, we're going to try and contend. Cubs did the complete opposite. I guess the only difference between the two clubs in that spot is when you're looking at a Paul Goldschmidt and a Nolan Arenado and some of the other guys like a Yachty or Molina or an Adam Wainwright, those were guys that, you know, were under contract, weren't going anywhere. And the Cardinals said, okay, we owe it to guys who are under contract to build around it where I think from the very beginning we saw that the Cubs were kind of in sell mode, getting rid of Hugh Darvish, and the other guys were going to be free agents anyway at the end of the year. They were trying to get at least something for them if they weren't going to be in the place that they were. So I do understand where you're coming from, but I also see the other side of the coin and understand why the Cubs... And the cardinals kind of went in opposite directions um look you know i hate to say i told you so but i did and you know in the beginning of the year thought this was a fourth place ball club i didn't think they were a 91 lost team i said they would win between 79 and around 83 games which actually that would have put them in fourth place anyway as it turned out looking at the standings um you know it was a great run i'm really hoping that as you said these prospects that we got in return are going to be people that we look back on in a few years and say, hey, you know what, we got this player for Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Craig Kimbrell and all of the guys that they shipped off, you know, Jack Peterson. And we can sit here and say in, you know, three or four years, look at how great this team is now. Um, It was well worth rebuild at that time to now see what this team is about to be and is going to be hopefully in the future.
1: Well, let's move on to the second inning and the Cubs have a new guy at the helm, uh, a new general manager and and uh, it's big news. Carter Hawkins is now going to be the leader. He's going to report directly to Jed Hoyer. He comes from the Cleveland front office. He was actually a part of that front office when the Indians lost to the Cubs in 2016. Ronald, what's your take on Carter Hawkins in this new era? I believe he's the 16th general manager in Cubs history.
2: I like it a lot. I uh, don't know much about him, but he seems like one of those young, up-and-coming uh, baseball minds, 37 years old, certainly a young guy. That's very common in today's game. We're not seeing the you know 50- to 60-year-old GM like we did 30, 40, 50 years ago. We're seeing a guy who went to Vanderbilt. So you know he's a smart guy. He played college ball at Vanderbilt. He knows the game. I'm kind of excited about what this guy can bring, a fresh set of eyes. He's not from the Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer sort of tree that, you know, of the Padres Red Sox that we have come to know so familiar over the past few years. So I'm excited to see a guy who's young, invigorated, who's going to give the Cubs a different look and perspective and potentially kind of rebuild with, you know, an idea of this is what the Cubs have been missing and give Jed Hoyer an opportunity to say, Oh, I'm glad we hired somebody different that has a different view and perspective on what I may have looked at when I was the GM or now the team president. What about you?
1: 37 years old. He's been with the Indians his entire career, unless he did something before that he's been there for 14 years. So he started there when he was 23 man, I kind of wish I started a baseball team. That'd be kind of fun, but I probably don't have the mind for it because I think they spend a lot of time in Excel spreadsheets. That's not my thing. (laughs) You know, what he's going to bring to the table um, is what I think this big market Cubs team needs, which is out-of-the-box thinking. And the Cleveland Indians have remained consistent and have done a very good job when it comes to Finding the diamond in the rough when it comes to pitching prospects, finding late rounders, you know, finding guys that like, you know, Shane Bieber, that was a fourth rounder in the 2016 draft. Um, won the AL Cy, Cy Young uh, last year. I mean, that was that you, he found a guy in the fourth round. He was a part of that. You've got uh, Aaron Savali, who's the third rounder uh, um, also. And, uh, you know, he just went 12 and five. The Cubs need homegrown pitching talent. They have yet to develop homegrown pitching talent. And if Hawkins can do that, if he can bring that to the table, he's got a lot of pieces. And we're going to talk about that in a second. There's a lot of pieces out there that the Cubs need, but more than anything, they need some sort of consistent approach to how they're finding and developing their pitching prospects. And uh, hopefully that's what he can bring to the table. He, the, 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 team over at the Indians did a nice job or, or, or the guardians now.
2: All right. So let us move on now, Chad, to the third inning. And it begs the question, what is the first move, in your opinion, that Carter Hawkins
1: should be making as the new GM of the Chicago Cubs? You know, Ryan, that's such a great question. I, I could say what they need to do is they need to make a splashy move to get all the season ticket holders from jumping ship and make this fan base more excited because this fan base is about as down as they've ever been, and and go after like a, a, a you know a cornerstone piece, maybe a, a you know the the top guy in the the, the shortstop market or bring back one of the big three, you know, shore up some, some pitching by going, making a splashy move and, and, and showing off your brain, but I'm going to go in a completely different direction. The greatest thing. And I'm going to say this with tongue slightly in cheek, but I really believe this, the greatest thing that this front office could do more quickly um, than, than uh, um, first thing that would be the greatest thing to do is figure out a way to get Jason Hayward to restructure his deal and spread it out over many, several years. Think of uh, the Bobby Bonilla contract and let him walk out into uh, the, and in, just let him walk out to the sunset and be done with it. His contract, his stranglehold on right field, um, paired with his absolutely abysmal stats uh, and slagging a, a, a defense has, has put him in a situation where until the Jason Hayward situation is taken care of. This team is always going to have that rock bringing them down. My hope is Jay Hay with two years left is going to have some sort of a surgeon. And, and, and I don't know, I don't think he's putting in less effort, but maybe he's not very good. It's one or the other. I think the front office and Hawkins, that's the first thing they need to do is figure out a way to get Jason Hayward off this roster.
2: Listen, I like the way you think, uh, but gosh, that is going to be, if he does that, certainly he will be a king. That, that he'll, he'll maybe be considered the best general manager of all time if he can get Jason Hayward off this roster um, and get a taker for him, considering Jay Hay uh, you know, another two seasons left on that deal. But, you know, look, aside from that, which, again, I'm not arguing, that would be a, an amazing thing to do. But more realistically, um, I think this, this team, as you said, needs to make a big splash in the offseason. And he needs to go all in and find uh, some, some solid pitchers who are going to be added to this rotation. I, I think at least you got to look at, you know, some guys like a Marcus Stroman who might be um, someone to take a look at and can help the rotation. Or, you know, a, a player who is at a position level that can provide a little bit of a spark with his bat. Um, the Cubs are going to be players in the in the offseason, and certainly when December rolls around in the winter meetings, I'm really hoping that we're going to hear the Cubs' name a lot when it comes to free agents, because that, to me, is what ultimately I want to see this team do and, and make a big splash uh, going into 2022.
1: Well, let's move on to the fourth inning, and, Rhino, this is potentially the golden age of, of shortstops in Major League Baseball. Uh, some, some some long, you know, some some grizzled old listeners may come back and then and, and try to throw a different generation, a different era there. But I think this is right now, and this free agent class that is coming up here in the offseason, once the World Series is over, this free agent class is one of the greatest classes we've ever seen all coming out on the market at the same time. And I could even go all the way down to um, Andrelton Simmons. I could talk about Paul DeYoung. I could talk about, uh, Jose Iglesias, I, uh, you know, Javier Baez, Marcus Simeon, uh, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Carlos Carrera. Who do you want to see in a Cubs uniform come opening day or spring training rather in Mesa uh, in 2022? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard,
2: right? Because you mentioned all these great players, right? And Marcus Simeon, uh, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Javi. All these guys are terrific players. They're they're all active F- absolutely excellent and would all look great in cubby blue. I don't know, Chad. I ha- I honestly consider it say, but you know who I'd want? Honestly, I'd want Javi. I really would. Why not? Why not? What makes Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, or Marcus Simeon any better than Javi Baez, in my opinion? I think the fans love Javi. He is magical when he's at the plate. Yes, you got to take the good with the bad with Javi, but man... If you are talking about a team that you want to get fan support back, you want to get at least a little bit of morale in the city, why not bring back the guy who, probably out of all the shortstops you mentioned and I mentioned, is going to ultimately have the biggest impact on the city and the fans if you bring him back? And that to me is 100% Javi Bias. We'll come back. We'll save that for another question. But for me,
1: Javi is the guy who I think ultimately would be the one I would bring back. What about you? I don't see it happening, but I've said this over and over again. From a fan perspective, from a uh, a fandom perspective, from butts-in-seats perspective, Javi Baez has been the most valuable player for the Chicago Cubs. Come at me. I'm at the Chad Gordon. Or come at us. We're at at, at the Cubs confines if you disagree with me. But I think Javi is the one that, again, He's the only guy that people chant his name or the only guy that, that when the bobbleheads are released for him, they're, they're, they're lined up blocks in advance. So it would be good from a bottom line perspective and a fan goodwill perspective. But I also think it may be time to the band-aids off now maybe time to to turn the page and there's some great young talent that have had more consistency and will they have more upside or, or you know are they are they better more consistent players because let's be honest Javi has a lot of inconsistencies he has feasts and famine moments so you've got at the top of my list and I listed them in, in reverse order you have Carlos Correa and you've got Corey Seeger. now Corey Seeger has understood what it's like have the limelight of los angeles los angeles is a much more fun place to play than chicago let's be honest i'm out here it's the weather's fantastic year round there's no rainouts, and it's just beautiful you play with the dodgers right he is kind of the anti-villain carlos correa now carlos correa i think is this is the top he, he is the top of the heap the astros would be silly if they want to continue on this run to go anywhere else beyond re-signing him Um, Both of those guys are 27 years old. You've got a lot of time and a lot of legs left for both those guys. I think the bargain move, and I think what's going to allow the Cubs a little bit more. I I like either of those two moves, by the way, but I think the bargain move they're going to try to do is either Trevor story or Marcus. Simeon because those are guys that will probably be had for smaller contracts um, they're not going to get the top dollar. I think those top guys could get, you know, we'll definitely exceed $300 million. So who would I like to see? I'd like to see Korea. I really would. I don't think the Cubs will get him. I don't know if the Cubs are a, a good landing spot, um, for guys like that. I have no idea. I have no idea, but I do think there needs to be new blooded shortstop. I need, uh, the. I think this fan base needs to see what it's like to have somebody other than Javi and a little bit more consistency at the plate. Um, to go with what is already going to be a very uh, solid glove.
2: Yeah, the one thing I will say, Chad, I I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys. They're all great. They really are. So that's why I say at the end of the day, I'm fine with any of them. But I I certainly think that it would be a, a cool story, even though it ultimately won't happen to see Javi back in a Chicago Cubs uniform. All right, so let us move on to the fifth inning, chat. And, you know, we talk about uh, free agency. We talk about bringing up, you know, these prospects or developing them and what we're looking at over the next season or two. How long do you ultimately think it's going to take for this team to get back into contention with the
1: landscape of the National League the way that it is? What do you think I'm going to say? Honestly, what do you... Th- you know what I'm going to say, and if you're a longtime listener, yes. you know exactly... Tom Ricketts sent a letter out to season ticket holders and, and and it was published publicly. And he has vowed, he has vowed that the, the window is going to start again. He has vowed they are going to invest. He has vowed that they're going to spend money uh, and they have a ton of flexibility for the first time in forever to spend money under the salary cap under the luxury cap rather um, and, and make some splashy moves here in the off season. And we have no idea what's going to happen with, with the, uh, the current uh, 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 ending of the the, the agreement between the players and the owners. We have no idea if this will bleed over into the spring. We have no idea if this will completely put a halt to any sort of moves. Who knows what will happen there? I think the pie is going to get bigger, and I think the contracts are going to get bigger. I think when you look at the Cardinals, here's the Cardinal team that needed witchcraft to do what they did to move into the wild card the reds obviously didn't have enough of it. And they're going to lose some key guys down the stretch, um, here in the, in the, in the free agent market, probably Nick Castellanos is probably going to opt out. And you look at the, the, the brewers who showed, uh, that they are not ready for prime time. They faltered and they faltered pretty easily. So that says if this Cubs team with new blood and this Cubs team, if they can figure out the pitching situation, if they can come in hungry again, because let's be honest, when was the last time this Cubs team was really hungry? Um, You know, yes, they went to the 2017 NLCS and got crushed by the Dodgers, but they made it there. Last time I saw this team hungry is when they hoisted the World Series trophy. And I think a group of hungry players, new players, players with chips on their shoulders who haven't won anything here, who want to lead this team. Kind of that. The Red Sox. Good team. Team that wasn't as connected to the original team, had some parts that were still there. So I think they'll be in contention next year. I do not think we're looking at a hundred loss team. That would be a death knell for all the fairweather new fans, the bandwagon fans who jumped on board here in the last decade. They need a consistent winner. They're a major market team with a, a marquee network that they need eyeballs for, and they need to sell tickets at Wrigley field. They have to, from a business perspective to be strong. And that's my main reason why I think they're going to be competitive next year. Listen, uh, Tom Ricketts can say all he wants, that this
2: team is going to be competitive and they're going to win. And I don't doubt that he wants to, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be. And this team, you you mentioned it, Chad, there's a lot of ifs on this team, right? I mean, we don't know who they're going to be able to sign and who they're going to be able to get. They may want all these guys, but who's to say these guys are going to come here? And you mentioned the pitching. I mean, that starting rotation is, is dreadful right now. I, I don't see that happening at all as far as, getting guys who are going to be able to pitch at a level that is better than, as you said, not just the, pe- the teams in the National League Central, but the Dodgers and the Giants and the Braves. And, you know, like the list goes on and on and on. So for me, unless this team is able to go all in and somehow find a way to sign Max Scherzer, And, you know, some other huge players, like you mentioned, and Nick Castellanos or they bring in a Carlos Correa or anybody else that's, like, a big-time free agent this year, I just don't see a scenario where this team is ready by next season to contend because I still don't think they're going to be better than the Brewers, and I don't think they're going to be better than the Cardinals, um, and I don't think they're going to be better than than Cincinnati in that respect either. So Hmm. I'm going to go with at least – I'm going to go with two years it's going to take. Uh. So I'm looking at probably the 2024 season. So if we're we're looking at 2022, so I'm going 2022, 2023. I say 2024 is going to be a year that we look at and say, okay, what sort of um, movement has this team made to where we can say, all right, I look at him at this moment to be, a uh, contender in the National League. I, I just don't see a scenario where they're going to be that good and bounce back next season so quickly after what they endured this year.
1: Now, keep in mind that Ricketts didn't say that they'd be competitive, but he did say they would spend money. And I fully expect that to happen. But you're right, the pieces have to fit together and they have to get the right pieces at the right time. And also, as we know, they got to get lucky with some of these selections because the free agent market, as Jason Hayward has proven, can be a crapshoot at times. Let's move on to the sixth inning, and it is the million-dollar question. Potentially, well, not potentially. It won't be that way, but it'll be pretty darn close. Maybe the, the uh, two-thirds of a billion-dollar question. Rhino, where do you think Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant end up next season? this
2: is such a good question and if i knew chad i would uh play the lottery so much more than i already do um i'm gonna say rizzo to me is probably um the easiest one to decide as far as just as a guess i'm gonna go with the yankees i think he's gonna stay put there i think he liked it there i think the yankees really liked him and i think it's a good fit um and i believe that the that is where he's going to continue his career. Um, and I just think it makes a lot of sense for both him and the Yankees to uh, keep to, you know, that, that pairing together. So I'm going to go with the Yankees on Rizzo. Um, Baez, I, I mean, listen, as much as I would love for him to come back to the Cubs, it appears as if the Mets do want him back. And I think he wants to stay in New York. Uh, He obviously loves playing with Francisco Lindor. The Mets are willing to pay as well. They got big pocketbooks with Steve Cohen, the new owner there. So I'm going to go with Javi sticking around with New York. Here is the million-dollar question, Chad. I do not believe Chris Bryant is going to be with the San Francisco Giants next year. Now, where is he going to be? I have absolutely no idea where Chris Bryant ends up. It could be the San Diego Padres. It could be the Seattle Mariners. I, I, I think he will be on the West coast. I don't think it'll be the Dodgers, but I do believe that Chris Bryant will not be with the giants next season. And I think there's a team out there that is ultimately going to open up their pocketbooks. And they're going to say, we want you as a part of this franchise. I mean, heck it could be the Houston Astros. If the Astros decide to let go of some players, and, you know, make some moves, maybe he ends up there. But if I had to guess, I'm going, Brian, either on the Padres or the Seattle Mariners right now. That's where my ultimate feel is
1: right now, if I had to to take a,
2: just a gambling guess.
1: What about you? I'll go in the same order that you did. I've got some um, some agreements, but then also some some other ideas. As it applies to, to Rizzo, it just feels like he fits in the pinstripes in new york it just feels like and with the name of like rizzo it absolutely feels like that he, <laughs> th- he, he should be there um and i and i think that the yankees i think are going to want to make a different splash to be honest i think the yankees are not going to want to get older the yankees have not had success for many many years getting to the playoffs is not a win for them i mean it is it's they it's an embarrassment steinbrenner would be rolling over in his grave if such a thing were possible where I think Anthony Rizzo is going to end up and where I think Anthony Rizzo is going to get paid and hear me out on this. And you may tell me I'm absolutely wrong. I don't understand the market at all, but Derek Jeter's got to at some point do something that's going to excite the fan base and they've got to put a competitive team out there. We thought we saw the competitive team the year before when they knocked the Cubs out of the playoffs, but I can see Anthony Rizzo going home, going to South Florida, Maybe taking a little bit less, but getting a maybe a lifetime deal, maybe getting one of those things where, Anthony, you're going to be the face of the Marlins, kind of like Andre Dawson was for the longest time. I see Anthony in the Marlins uniform next year. I think it makes a ton of sense for him. For Baez, it really just feels like Baez is New York City. It really feels like Baez is the guy that wants to be on the tabloids. You know, wants to be on the on the back page and the front page, and wants to be there playing with his buddy Lindor. I it makes a lot of sense. He's not the three hundred million dollar guy that all of us thought he was a few years ago. He's gonna get less, and if the Mets can lock him in with Lindor and have them to them sell jerseys and and uh, and and posters and and be the marquee talents to shore up the in, inside of the the infield, I think it's it's a no brainer for them to spend a little bit more than everybody else out there. Javi Baez is not going to go play for the twins or the Royals or a small market team. Javi Baez is going to play in, in a big market. And I think, and I really truly believe that it's something like the Mets or maybe even the angels, if they spend any more money, because we know the angels have to do something. So those are my two predictions for that, a big market team, LA or new New York, but not the Dodgers and not the Yankees for Chris Bryant. It doesn't feel like he's gonna come back to the Giants, but he certainly enjoyed his time with the Giants. I feel like there's there's um there's a really good opportunity for Chris Bryant to find his way into a Dodger uniform. The Dodgers have Turner coming off the books at third base. There's who knows what's gonna to happen to Corey Seeger. They've got the money. They still have that cable money, the couple billion dollar deal that that came and went that they were able to cash in and has paid for a lot of their payroll. I could see Chris Bryant lighting it up and being a consistent force for the rest of his career for a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't think they fit Ryan. He fits um, for the Padres unless they can do something really drastic with with Hosmer's contract at first. Um, They've got Tatis and they've got Machado locked in at big, big, big time deals. And they're not a big market team, so their their funding is at a different level. Um, But I do like that idea. Um, I, I think I can see Chris Bryant doing a big deal, maybe for the the Dodgers, and then lying in wait for when the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas team comes into play, and he can ride out the sunset back home, much like I suggested for Anthony Rizzo. But here's the fun thing: we have no idea what's going to happen. I will say this about Chris Bryant: ultimately, he's a Scott Boris client, and I think just like Bryce Harper went to the highest bidder. And went to the Phillies, who will probably never, ever compete and never have a team around him before he can do anything. I think Chris Bryant's going to probably, if not the Dodgers, go to the highest bidder, make his money, collect his stats, and then be one of those guys at Hall of Fame time where you, yeah, maybe, but let's see.
2: Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. Of course, we've had such an assortment of amazing guests over the years here on the pod. But I am so excited and so pumped for our guest this week. Of course, if you are on Twitter or even Instagram, you may be following a Twitter handle called Chicago party ant well now it is a show on netflix so if you have netflix i highly encourage you to watch it he is the creator of that show he's also on a sitcom also on netflix produced by judd apatow called love so make sure to check him out there he's going to have a new movie that's also being done by judd apatow we're going to get into that with him as well it is my pleasure and my honor to welcome chris Witowski. To the seventh inning stretch. Chris, how are you? And thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Ryan, I'm doing good. And thank you for having me, buddy. It is uh, great to talk to you. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we do our due diligence with making sure people can find you on social media. You're on Instagram at Witto, W I T O W. Of course, the Instagram account for Chicago Party Ant is at Chicago Party Ant and the Twitter handle at Shy Party Ant. So be sure to check out Chris and of course the Chicago party at handles where the social media accounts are found. All right. So Chris, first, let's start here. We'll, we'll get through sort of the, uh, the house cleaning first, uh, the Chicago Cubs, obviously not the season that we thought it would be a lot of house cleaning to say the least with all these players. I can see you're tearing up already as I'm talking to you about this, um, what do you think this offseason is going to look like for this team? We, we've obviously got all new faces. Hopefully they can bring some new blood in. What do you think that ultimately we're going to see this offseason and how this club is going to look going into 2022?
0: Yeah, it was a rough year. Um, I was back in town. I live in L.A. now, but I was back in town a couple months ago, and I had the honor of throwing out uh, first pitch at Wrigley. And uh, it was right – it was right after the big fire sale where we got rid of everybody. And so I, I was asking the guys if they wanted me to just step in to play a couple innings while I was there. <laughs> Cause I think they could have used me. Uh, yeah. Rough year. I mean, look, every team has to rebuild at some point. And uh, I don't know if, if we're doing it too soon or not. I mean, we got rid of our three, best guys on the same day and uh it was tough so I mean hopefully they'll make some make some moves bring in some some uh, fresh blood and maybe try to get one or two of those guys back at some point I mean I wouldn't mind seeing Javi come back at some point I don't know if that's a possibility or not but I have a feeling it's going to be a couple years of rebuilding before we're going to see anything like we did uh, a couple years ago.
2: Sad to say it. I I tend to agree with you on that. I don't know if we're going to see kind of the run that we saw for the last at least five years prior to 2019. All right. So let's talk about some better things to come. Let's obviously talk about Chicago Party Ant. So it's eight episodes on Netflix. I, I know the story, but first, some of our listeners who may not know, tell us how Chicago Party Ant, the origin of where she came from and how it all began. Go ahead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I grew up in the Burbs and then uh, went to the University of Iowa and then immediately moved right back to the city and lived in the city, actually in Wrigleyville uh, for about five years, right behind Murphy's Bleachers. Uh, and then I lived uh, in Old Town for another five years. So I was in the city for many years. And then in 2014, I moved to Los Angeles to kind of follow my career out here, Um as you do. I mean, if, if the film and television industry were in Chicago, I never would have left. So, um, uh, but I was, I was out here and I was kind of, I had a lot of free time on my hands. I was feeling kind of homesick. So I started this Twitter account, Chicago party. Ant. It, it, it's based on a couple of my actual Chicago party ants, uh, who, you know, these women with the spiky hair and the bedazzled jeans and, <laughs> uh, I also, I worked at Mike Ditka's restaurant for many years. And so I saw a lot of these women uh, in their natural habitat. And you actually have a really
2: great story, not to take you away from it, but you have a great story that I heard about Mike Ditka, that you were kind of in charge of making sure he was taken care of anytime he was in the restaurant. Is that true?
0: So I was the Mater d' of the cigar bar. That was my job title. And so guys would, you know, slip me fifties to get them good tables. Uh, to see John Vincent sing up there in the cigar bar. And yes, Coach used to come in like every freaking night. And he had his table right at the top of the stairs. And it was my job. He was very cool about signing autographs unless he had food in front of him. If he was eating, he didn't want to be bothered. So I I saw Coach blow up on people many times asking for an autograph when when he had a pork chop in front of him, you know. So yeah, it was my job to kind of do crowd control and make sure nobody, you know, bother him while he was gnawing on a T-bone.
2: Chicago Party Ant, obviously you said, is based on those characters that you have kind of seen over the years in Chicago. You're an alum of Second City which I love. I also do improv myself. I want to touch on improv a little later. Did Chicago party aunt ever make appearances in sort of uh, sketches or improv scenes when you were at second city? And that's kind of how you built the character throughout the years.
0: Yeah. So actually I did this as a, I did this woman as a character, I would would put on a wig and kind of like a, a 4th of July looking hat, you know, and, uh, I was doing an impression of one of my actual aunts. And it was a lot of like, you know, so I, I understand you and your pals are down there having the time of your life down there in the city, going to the bars, chasing the babes around. <laughs> and so I did it as a character. And uh, yeah, so that is kind of how it evolved. And, and, uh, and so then when I started the Twitter thing, I was like, oh, I'll just tweet out jokes as if I were this lady. And um, at first it was just my friends following it, but then it started to get a following and grow. And that's when I was like, oh, maybe this could be something else. And And now it's a TV show. Yeah. and, And I feel like people for a
2: while thought this was like an actual person. And I know she has this like love affair with Tom Skilling. And I believe you would like tweet at Tom Skilling multiple times throughout the day. Did he ever actually respond? And was there ever a back and forth at one point with Tom Skilling?
0: So I, there was a gal who worked, um, somehow had a connection with Tom and she got him to do a video where he was like, I understand you're a big fan and I want to say thank you for watching. And then, but it was very clear that Tom had no idea that I was like harassing him all day long because he, he just thought I was a, you know, a friendly fan. But now he knows about it. And in fact, I'm going to Chicago next week to do some press, and I'm actually gonna get dinner with Tom Skilling while I'm in town. So it's be, po- total full circle, unbelievable, yeah. I absolutely love that. And <laughs> we should
2: mention, I don't I don't think I'm giving anything away. I, I've watched the majority of the episodes. Tom Skilling may make an appearance in Chicago Party, at. that's all I'll say. He may make an, an appearance in the show at some point. So if you're a big Tom Skilling guy at WGN, I encourage you to watch it. So I, I'm curious because I'm always fascinated how Hollywood works. Yeah. When does somebody come to you or say to you, hey, Chris, I think we have something here where let's turn this into a television show. And how did you shop that around it? When did Netflix get into the picture?
0: So right at this time when I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this could be a, you know something else, Um, a producer who is a Chicago guy, his name's Richie Schwartz. And he is a, you know, a, a Hollywood producer out here. He works for a big production company. He somehow tracked me down and called me in for a meeting. And he said, I've been following the account for years. I love it. I think this could be something else. And I said, hey, I was just thinking the exact same thing. And that's when we kind of put together a whole creative team and a pitch, and then we took it out to try to sell it. That's fantastic. And
2: of course, he came to you and said, let's do the TV show. And we should mention, I mean, you have some great actors who are doing the voices of these characters, including RuPaul, who <laughs> plays Gideon on the show. How did you guys score RuPaul to come on to the show? That's
0: fantastic. So Diane, uh, the main character, Diane Dunbrowski, she works at a hair salon and we wanted it to be where a new kind of company like buys out her hair salon and we wanted them to be from New York, like a trendy New York kind of place. And so um, we thought who would be a great like manager that would come in from New York and somebody threw out RuPaul and we were like, well, RuPaul would never want to do this. And then Netflix was like, well, actually he's always looking to do stuff like this. And so they reached out and he was like, I would love to. And so, <laughs> yeah, crazy.
2: So you're there when you're
0: recording all the episodes? Are you in the room with everybody? Is that how that works? Well, we were until this uh, global pandemic happened. And so then we were all on Zoom. But um, but yeah, the people go into an actual recording studio and then we're there on Zoom. So, But I did get to hang out with RuPaul like many, many hours, uh, you know, just shooting the shit. It was great. So one of the things I love about this show,
2: Chris, is each episode you have some sort of Chicago landmark or place that every Chicagoan can relate to. I mean, even like the Jewel Osco downtown. Like if you if you go downtown or live downtown, you know exactly which Jewel Osco that is. Like that's how specific it is. It's a very Chicago-centric show, but I feel like that's by design. You wanted to put at least in each episode something that
0: all Chicagoans know and understand. Is that safe to say? Yeah, we we set out to uh, we really, we wanted to make it a love letter to Chicago and I specifically wanted to cram in as many Chicago Easter eggs as we can, as we could, uh, but finding the balance between, you know, the specificity of Chicago, but also making it universal so everybody can enjoy it. That's kind of the, the balancing act that we had to pull off making this. Yeah.
2: And once again, our thanks to Chris Watowski, who is the creator of Chicago Party Ant. It is an incredible show. I watched all eight episodes. Chad, I know you're currently watching it. And yep. if you have not seen it yet, I implore you, if you have Netflix, check out Chicago Party Ant. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris with It's W-I-T-A-S-K-E. And you can also, of course, find the Chicago Party Ant at shy party ant. Be sure to check it out. It is A great show. And if you are from Chicago or a fan of Chicago, I cannot encourage you enough to watch the show. I think you will enjoy it immensely. Um, Also, if you want to follow us on social media, I am at Ryan D Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. So be sure to check us out on social media. And of course, our Chicago Cubs friendly confines Facebook page. Be sure to join the group. We love interacting with everybody who's on there and we can chat with you all things
1: Cubs baseball. And We have a website as well, Chad, do we not? We do. Go to theconfines.com and uh, check it out. You could sign up for our newsletter. We won't spam you, I promise. We don't have ads either. We just want you to sign up and that way you'll know when new podcasts drop. We do expect to get back to our normal schedule. Thanks for sticking it out and staying with us here as this Cubs season came to a close. But let's move on to the eighth inning because we're not done just yet. And this was a fun one. I always like when you put fun, fun things on the rundown. And this has to do, obviously, with Watoski's uh, interview uh, and, and his, uh, his now addition to Chicago lore of, of a Chicago-based television show. And we posed the question, what is your favorite television or movie filmed in Chicago? I'll let you go first. Well, for me, it's a pretty simple answer, Chad. It
2: is uh, one of the movies from my childhood that was actually filmed around the area where I grew up. And it is a movie that still I hold near and dear to my heart. And that is one Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, certainly to this day, still a love letter to the city of Chicago that John Hughes created um, with so many great sights in the city of chicago at the time of course they go to wrigley field and you know they're at like different you know the art institute and you know they're driving around the city i mean it is an absolute um terrific movie in itself but then just all the places that you see in the city of chicago and you go what an awesome awesome job that they did creating this film so for me it's a pretty easy answer it is ferris bueller's day off what about yourself
1: well, really quick fun facts, because it's important for you to know this. They did the math, the calculations. I don't know if you know this, but they know the date of that supposed day off that he took. And mm-hmm. and here's what's really cool. I didn't realize this until the last two years. June 5th, 1985. Why does that matter to me? My birthday, June 5th. Not on 1985, but uh, yeah, June 5th. How cool is that? Wow. I get to do this, and I've always said I was going to. And people have done it, but I want to recreate the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I think because of my birthday connection, I might do it for my birthday just to say I've done it and just do the whirlwind tour, be a tourist a little bit and have a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And, and at the time, Ferris Bueller was like the coolest kid around when you're you're looking up to that. But I actually am. I'm going to cheat. I I hate this, but I'm going to give you two. And I apologize. One was when I was a kid. and One was when I was in college. And, and there's a reason for this, but. I absolutely loved *The Fugitive*. I love that movie. I think it uses the the city of Chicago as an incredible backdrop. Um, it, it allows you know just you know the grittiness of the city and and the back streets and and there's so many different scenes. Whether it's it's uh, you know the L. Um, the Pullman neighborhood, you know, the, the parade. I think Mayor Daly's even has a, a cameo or an appearance in it. I love The Fugitive. It's such a great movie. And I just think of Chicago and I think of that. But my favorite movie. So my one A, my number one was a, a movie from, you know, our childhood. And for our, our younger viewers, they may they may have to pull this out. But it's 1987's Ad- Adventures in Babysitting. And here's why. I remember watching this movie and, A, got a huge crush at the time on Elizabeth Shue because why not, right? She (laughs) was just the hottest thing in the world back then. Right. And she was in so many other movies, just just a sex symbol of the time. And for me, I'm like, that would be the greatest baby, babysitter I've ever had. But, uh, you know, you could relate to the kids as they're going around. And I was from a small town in central Illinois. So I couldn't even imagine being a small, you know, being a kid of their age and my age at the time being led around by my babysitter all around Chicago and all the hijinks and the things from the bars to being on top of. I can't remember what the building was. Uh, oh, oh, the crane communications building. That's right. The crane communication building um, where they're, you know, they're up on the ledge. It just, for me, I, I was able to watch that movie and just imagine myself in that situation, and uh, I haven't watched it since, so it might be terribly dated, but I'm going to go with Adventures and Babysitting. That's a good one, too. I like that one as well.
2: That's a good That's a good call for sure, Chad. All right, so with that, let us move on to the ninth inning, Chad, and of course, the Chicago Cubs are not in the postseason. However, there has been lots of chatter on Twitter of all the ex-Cubs that are experiencing <laughs> The postseason. Now we had, of course, Anthony Rizzo. We had Chris Bryant that were in the postseason at one point. John Lester was there. Uh, Craig Kimbrell was in the postseason. However, there are just a few Cubs left now as we are down to the final four teams. So I ask you this, Chad out of all the ex Cubs, and I mean all of them, players, coaches, whomever, which one do you want to see succeed? the most as we are in the depths of the MLB postseason?
1: It's it's an easy answer for me. I think it's going to be an easy answer for you. And, and we were seeing what we've seen in the past, which is Babe Ruth of the postseason, Kyle Schwarber, what he has been able to do and and the display that he's put on the game the other night, it did look like he tweaked his knee. Uh, we haven't heard anything about that, but he's not been quite the same since he took a weird hack up there. But I love seeing what Kyle does. He's made for the big stage. He does not wilt ever. He's a guy that I would love to see the Cubs be able to bring back, but I—it's probably not going to work unless the DH becomes a thing. And he—the he, bridge may be burned. You know, the Cubs cast him off. Um, second place. Actually, let me go in reverse order. Fourth place. Uh, uh, Mark Pryor, pitching coach for the Dodgers. I wish him well, but I don't really care because he's not on the field. Third place. Um, Our good friend for a very short time, Jock Peterson. It's been fun watching what he does. Um, And the fact that he's, he's Jocktober and he's, he's he, there is a really good chance. We're going to see Jock Peterson, who is kind of a trashy pickup um, that the Cubs fully intended to probably move at the, at the, uh, the mid range point. Um, He could be a, a world series MVP if he keeps this pace up, but number two, the number two that I'm super excited for. And I'm rooting for more than anything is Anthony Rizzo's bat which is what Jock <laughs> Peterson is swinging right now. I, I, I love that more than Jock's pearls. Um, I'm stoked that it kind of carries on that tradition. If you remember back in the, uh, the, the, the 16 uh, postseason when uh, Rizzo got hot when he was using Matt Scherzer's bat. So I just love it, and, and I hope I, I wish all the best in the world to Anthony Rizzo's bat. Well, Chad, it's very interesting you say this. You say it's easy,
2: but there's one person that you did not say – that I'm actually going to say, and I'm, i am you may uh, very much disagree with me, but here is who I am actually rooting for. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see all those people you named. Yo, hold if on, they...
1: hold on, hold on. Don't say Dusty Baker. Are you going to say Dusty Baker?
2: Chad, I'm saying Dusty Baker. Oh, my gosh. I'm saying Dusty Baker because Dusty Baker, who came so close in 2002 with the San Francisco Giants, who came so close to leading the Cubs to the World Series in 2003 with Mark Pryor and fell short. Finally, will Dusty get his chance to win a World Series? Now, don't get me wrong, Chad, as I was about to say, I would be over the moon excited if Jock or Rizzo or Mark Pryor, who's already won a World Series, if if those guys get to the series again and they end up, um, you know, winning – Uh, another title or winning again because Peterson has won a world series and Schwartz has won a world series already. And I think for, you know, from a player standpoint, of course, most Cub fans are saying Kyle Schwarber, but you know what? I think Dusty Baker got a raw deal when he was in Chicago. I still think he was a really good manager. I think that there were things that happened that I, you know, think he did make mistakes on, but I still think it would be a great story that at 72 years old or 73 years old, however old Dusty Baker is at this point, if he can finally win a world championship and become, I believe, tied with Jack McKeon as the oldest person to ever win a World Series, I believe that is correct, uh, that to me as a manager, that to me would be great to see. And I know that probably not a lot of Cub fans would share in that Um, opinion that I have but for me I've always been a dusty guy and I I have no problem getting excited to see him win even though yes he is the manager of the Houston Astros I'm going to separate that Chad I'm going to separate that because I want I want dusty to win a championship even though it may very well be
1: with the Houston Astros so that's fair Rhino. that's fair and I absolutely wish him the best as well yeah Absolutely true.
2: All right. Well, we did it, Chad. We got through another episode. We got through our first episode in quite some time, and I'm happy that we were able to connect on this finally to be able to chat with you again. And uh, once again, our thanks to Chris Witoski, The Chicago Party Ant on Netflix. Be sure to check it out for chad i'm ryan we'll talk to you next time everybody have a good one see you at the ballpark everybody